Hi. Hello. Hey. How you doing? Sober. So shiny and bright. So sober, but it's unshiny. Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows. Or as we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, and I'm a midwife at a busy birth center. I'm Meredith Rout, and I'm a midwife with a home birth practice. And I'm Jess McKee. I'm a doula for clients in and out of the hospital, and also a birth assistant for out-of-hospital midwives. <laughs> I know. We keep wanting to sing today. I know. Well, we're sitting outside. I'm realizing that we also keep referencing, like, the weather and how great it is, but this isn't coming out today. So, like, this could be us being like, it's so shiny and bright, and it's going to be, like, gross and cold. Well, and we're going to be further into spring okay. by the time this episode releases like a piriformis so maybe <laughs> we've been be good nice. with double headers yeah you know, we are pulling a double header this is our second episode of the day we hard for a living. i'm Someone... proud of us totally sober in two episodes in one day and we went for a jog slash sprint slash frolic i know they heard about that last time oh that's true frolicking See? in the flowers someone said so what are you gonna do when you run out of topics and i'm like what you know who we are we could literally talk for the rest of our lives yeah. and worst case scenario if we run out of topics about birth we could just talk about ourselves yeah. <laughs> let's talk all about us <laughs> we're just read random birth stories and make random jokes yes. for sure so, again, we're recording outside, and so while that is glorious for us, um, sometimes there's more noise. So, Like the car that just decided to stop in front of your house for some reason. Or the guys who are doing yeah. something with some kind of diesel engine over there. Revving the engine behind us. So you may not be able to hear it. You may be able to. Um, we're not actually that sorry about it. Sorry, but, not sorry. Yeah. We're not sorry at all. Um, so today we are talking about, so we're going to do two episodes in a row that are kind of similar, but they take a different take. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about um, being satisfied with your birth versus being traumatized by your birth. Which is, anything can cause that to happen. So trauma versus contentment is yes. what we're going with because one birth to person a is like all glitter and rainbows whereas the same birth for person b they're literally experiencing ptsd mm -hmm. and getting counseling for it so, so why so there's not like one prescription you can give someone to be like if you have this birth you won't be traumatized yeah, you will be content if this is how things unfold and nope. the, and then the episode we're going to do after this is our birth trauma episode where we're going to talk about just birth trauma, not mm -hmm. contentment versus trauma, because um, those things we feel like go hand in hand. Yeah. So this episode's really about like identifying what's important to you. Literally the loudest cars I've ever heard. I'm pretty sure that's the one we they're working. That car on. doesn't even have a hood. I don't no. understand. Doesn't what's even happening. have a fucking hood. Unbelievable. And then he's gonna go tinker a few. Come on. <laughs> Could you work with us, please? We're podcasting we we, over here. Can we put here. a sign out on the road saying podcast recording in session? <laughs> Just have a like large yes. blinking yeah. light, like mm -hmm. recording. Just Shut like a big orange up. cone. Yeah. Um. What were we saying? I'm just I. So this. This has been an episode that we kind of wanted to lean up to or lead up to for a while because I'm always so shocked. I'll do a birth with someone and I think, wow. That could not have gone any better given mm -hmm. the circumstance, whatever that circumstance may be. And then I get the email and the phone call and the text. Like, I mm. am traumatized. I'm trying not to hate you. I'm trying not to blame you. And I want to be there for that. Like, 100%, mm -hmm. let's process this together. But my brain is hard. It's hard for me to wrap around. from Because from an outside perspective, it looked, it looked amazing. like an amazing birth. And like, usually I feel like in those situations that client's been up for days and had right. a transfer and is exhausted. And so like when you achieve a vaginal birth in the hospital in that situation, it's like glorious. And at least from our perspective, or that's like our goal, you know, right. but then obviously there's like a lot involved in that, that the parent might not be as happy with. Or even if it's not a transfer, like there can be like beautiful natural water births mm -hmm. at the center and then they're like that was the worst experience of my life mm -hmm. yeah what which i mean is somewhat understandable like yeah labor is gonna be like the most painful thing you ever do but it doesn't mean it has to be yeah. the most horrible experience of your life and so in this episode um i also want to say that this is not our judgment over how no, people are not feeling at all. it's mm -hmm. just talking about different people's experiences 
of birth and the fact that it is so individualized because I've also seen the opposite. I've seen births where I felt like, yeah, I'm watching. I'm like, this is a nightmare. Literally horrible. Nothing went according to plan. We're going to have to talk about this for a week. She's going to have to process this. She's going to be... She's going to be traumatized and she'll literally be like, no, everything's great. I'm so happy with how everything went. <laughs> and you're like, yes. <laughs> I had one of those a few months ago. And I'm like, you are literally the most like. Resilient. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I would have been crying and I don't cry. So and she's like, no, it's totally fine. Everything's great. Kim okay. thinks she just saw a spider next to her. I it did was panic. really great seeing her reaction. <laughs> it was a June bug. Don't panic. Also, I, I think like. it's not us judging it's also just like a call to action like hey when you're hearing someone's birth story like go into it with an open sorry that was me sorry go into it with an open mind and open ears because they might actually you they might be telling you the story and like oh they're leading up to something really positive and then they're actually gonna be like that was awful and i hated it and you have to be like oh okay yeah all right well let me like reframe how i'm listening to your story now so i can like hear what you're actually saying i think both of these episodes that we're about to do really can help people um I feel like validating people's experiences is really important because there's like we have this really big um, tendency in our culture that if something bad happens or if someone feels traumatized or even the opposite, if someone feels happy, people tend to have a lot of judgment. Um, So it's like if um, someone feels traumatized by their birth, there's this huge tendency for people to be like, well, the most important thing is that you have a healthy baby right and like kind of minimizing unintentionally like trying to be comforting but minimizing i could yeah. not validate any less it, yeah because of course if you've had a baby and the baby's healthy you're happy that you have a healthy baby like of course that's everyone's number one priority yeah but how people feel about their births is also it's also an important thing and it's not selfish to want to feel good about your birth. Well, how someone feels about their birth is the important. I mean, right. yes, the birth healthy mom, healthy baby. But that aside, like if the mom comes out of there traumatized and feeling weak and belittled, that's how they're starting motherhood with mm-hmm. that baby. And but, they'll carry that into any future births they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it's also on the other side of the coin because we're talking about contentment versus trauma. There's people that are so happy for their births and they're afraid to share that mm-hmm. because it's like they'll... There could be people that they'll be like, my birth was the the best thing that happened to me. And it's re- re- whether they had a natural birth or whether they had an epidural and laughed their baby out, because then people will be listening to it and they'll be like, well, when I gave yeah. birth, it was the most horrible thing that ever happened. And you're like, like, how lucky are you? Like, I wasn't that lucky. And it's like, well, that's yeah. no longer a safe space to yeah. share your joy. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's something to be said about regardless of a woman how she feels about her birth like letting her have that experience and letting like being that safe space for her to feel like she can share those experiences and i feel like the best way for other women to create a safe space for women to share their birth experiences you just killed it sorry i was doing that for kim i thought if she saw it that she was gonna freak out correct um the best way to like create space for women to share their own birth experiences is to process your own too so, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so I just want to say that I have seen in my experience, and this is just, you know, just 15 years of no big deal. Watching That's not a lot. Moms have babies. Um, the women and their partners that tend to be traumatized have a history of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a single person that was traumatized by their birth to the point of needing counseling and processing that didn't have past trauma that had not been processed so it's almost like a buildup, you know of trauma and Um, by trauma i don't think you mean like necessarily physical or sexual trauma i think you just mean like any kind of emotional trauma that is part of your story like if you have a story of trauma and victimization like that can bleed into or if they're starting out with like with severe anxiety severe angst severe everything and they're not getting help for that. Like this is not going to get better. And so, and so I think that that's a valid point and that those people are more at risk of birth trauma. But then when it comes to trauma, we're not just talking about like PTSD, but when it comes to like trauma versus contentment, it can also be just like feeling unhappy with how your birth went. And so, um, 
like I'm one of those people and we're going to share a birth story that's similar to mine that it's like I planned for a certain thing to happen. I wanted to have a home birth and um, I ended up transferring and going to the hospital. I still had a natural birth. I didn't have any pain medication. Um, I did end up getting like a vacuum extraction and episiotomy, but um, that was not a good day for you. No, it wasn't. But that it wasn't even the physical part of it. I think that I, I mean, when I say I was traumatized, I don't feel like I had PTSD or anything, but I had like a deep lingering sadness over my birth. And then like to some people, you feel bad for that, because for me, the, the traumatic part was not the physical stuff that happened, like how hard it was to heal or anything. It was more like how I was treated when I was in the hospital and I was making that transfer and how overwhelming it was. Um, but I didn't even realize how like sad I was about it. And we hear that story a lot because to some people that would be their dream birth. Like, oh, you walked into the hospital, you pushed out a baby, you had a natural birth. Like, Right. What's wrong with that? Yeah. yeah. And like a lot less things happen to me than happen to the majority of women that walk into a hospital and have a baby. And yet I still for years until I had my second baby and had a great birth, a great birth for me, um, like I didn't realize how sad I was. And then I went to tell my story to a group of midwifery students and um, I actually like was trying to tell my story, not realizing how much emotion I had. And I burst into tears like I cried Whoa, in front of this entire lot. room of midwifery students um, because I just didn't realize it was there. Um, and I've heard that a lot from people. They're like, I feel bad saying I don't like my birth story because on the outside it looks fine. But when I walked back into my house and saw my birth tub, I cried. Right. And you might not even realize you feel that way until weeks or months or years later because like when you're immediately postpartum, you're not really emotionally processing. You're sleeping no. when you can. You're like barely surviving at that point. And if you do feel exhausted or tired or sad or like these symptoms that might like make you realize in other situations that you're kind of depressed like you're not gonna necessarily pick up on that postpartum because no and I found that I was I was okay in the beginning because I was just surviving at that point mm -hmm. um, but it was actually it kicked in more over the later months mm -hmm. like how I felt about it and but like we talked about in the last episode it really was important for me to when I got pregnant again to like work through those feelings and really like tell myself that my first, my second birth wasn't my first birth and like mm -hmm. prepare for what I wanted. But you did that. You worked through it. I did. And I had an amazing birth and it was so, so healing. But that, so then, but then it's like the, on the opposite end of the coin, which I feel like we're doing a lot today, but my birth, um, I would say my second birth for me was so healing. It was super fast, though, and it was much more intense than my first birth. Yeah. And so we see that a lot. It's People a have these amazing, story. like, out-of-hospital water births, and it's that traumatic like, for them because it's less than four traumatic. hours long. And yeah. It, yeah, it's really intense. They come in at 10 centimeters, and I'm like, great, let's let's do this. And they're, and they're like, no, like, no, no, we're not ready for this yet. <laughs> that was traumatizing. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't have time to process. So yeah. it's, just, it's all about how you process things, and some people process things a little slower slash yeah. faster and people wish for short labors and yeah you might end up getting one and being really thankful for it but a lot of women are not thankful for it once they get it because it is a lot harder while you're in the moment yeah you can't get on top everybody of wants as much you just have to like really give into it it's very uncontrolled mm -hmm. it everybody like wants chaos. what the mm -hmm. other person it's like the grass is always greener it's like curly hair and straight hair yeah the bush is always greener on the other person's bush. <laughs> I hope I don't not. Think if that's, not, there's a problem. I don't think that's how that goes. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like saying bush again. I don't know. I have fast labors, and except for Brock, and I never wished for a longer labor. But people would say, like, gosh, I wish I could have a three-hour later. I'm like, it's the most intense train ride of your life, yeah. so be prepared. I have two. It was really weird when I started my practice. Two of my friends were pregnant, and they were both primates. So it was like their first birth, and they both had really fast labors. And they have a really positive experience of their fast labors, but I think that's largely because they've never had anything else. So like, right, it's yeah. the moms who have you know, like longer first labors, like maybe 12 hours or so, like this mom we just had. And then all of a sudden she has like a three hour labor with her second. She's like, no, no, not interested in this. Yeah. So, and then I have, I know somebody who had like three, what we would call like amazing out of hospital births um, naturally. 
and was super overwhelmed by like by the third birth she was like i never want to do this again mm-hmm. and i know that you've experienced that too oh i i still feel that way to yeah. this very day and so um she had her fourth baby and she chose something completely different. Like she knew she did not want to do it that way again. She knew that it was overwhelming for her. And so she chose a hospital provider. She actually decided she wanted to be induced a little bit early. Like she did everything different from what we would. So basically if Kim had had another child, this is what she did. Section me. (laughs) Or epidural. And she she chose to get an epidural, but she had had really fast births and she had had all water births. And um, she loved this experience. Mm, Like she went in, she got induced, she got an epidural as soon as she felt like she needed it. The birth took longer. Um, Well, I imagine how much of that was because she knows she can do it. You know, it's yeah. not that she doesn't trust her body or doesn't know their body can't do it. She's like, I know I can do this. I now I get to choose something different. Yes. Yeah. When one of my best friends was pregnant with baby number a million, uh, baby was breech. And I was like, you know, we could do things. She's like, nope. Mm-mm. Schedule me for the section. That's what we're doing. And that's what and she I, wanted. And, and she loved it. She, she goes, I don't know what the big deal is. Like now, granted, people out there will be upset. That I just said that, but this is her, her experience, perception. Her she said all the kids were at home except for me and the baby. I got waited on. I got three meals a day. I didn't have to ask for anything. There were snacks. There was food. It was all just included. It was amazing. And I was like, "Huh, look at that perception." Yeah, and and I guess and and I guess that also comes down to. Um, that hosp- hospitals, I mean, it's important for them to make C-sections less of a traumatic experience right. because it used to be, and it still is, but it used to be like such a, when I say sterile, I don't mean sterile in the germ way. Yes, it has to be a sterile environment, but it was just like that like so feeling of sterility expanded medically, into all like the only it. thing that was important is getting the baby out. Yeah. And now they're, we're trying to move more towards it being more family centered. Like focusing on skin to skin immediately and having Not more having... than one person in the room and not being like separated from your baby um maybe even having some music on yeah not having them talk about like their golf tournament from that weekend while mm-hmm. they're delivering your baby yeah like my mom's story when they were all singing yeah i that love would be, that story that would be awesome um so th- that can that can if the person is choosing that it's in their power and, and yes c-sections still have their the risks that come with them that can end up causing more problems in the future right um but i mean and that's why we focus so much on informed consent because we realize that birth is not one size fits all and that everybody is going to be different in how they perceive things so can we maybe have i mean we do have conversations about what the birth will look like and what the mom is hoping for but i have to say that usually when people are traumatized i'm surprised by it it's not like clear to me because a lot of times I see births that to me, I'm like, oh, and I apologize to them. I'm so sorry that you had to work that hard. That amount of work is not normal. Mm-hmm. You are so amazing. I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, I feel so good about it. Like, thank you for being there. Oh, yeah, you're, you're welcome. And then another mom will be like, I'm traumatized. I, I can't sleep at night. I'm never, mm-hmm. you know, going to bed again. So how do we help with that i feel like the biggest part about that is that is what we were saying is like having a safe space to let people own their experiences experiences. because i feel like especially with birth and if you've had a baby before we as women tend to do this thing and we have to train ourselves not to do this thing where we process their birth through the lens of our birth right and it's always a comparison thing Mm -hmm. which in some situations can be really nice because you can connect with your clients through your own experience but other times it can not be helpful because then you're projecting like your own yeah you don't want to project your experience onto them it's like knowing when is the space for you to share your story Mm -hmm. and when is the space for them to share their experience and I do find a lot of birth workers have a hard time with that like they always want to be talking about their stories while their clients are trying to talk about their anytime I feel like anytime our client is having like a third or fourth baby and it's really fast and and they don't want to do anything Kim's like I was there I know I I know how you feel we got this and that's 
acceptable. <laughs> yeah, Kim is traumatized from Broxburg. Yeah, and I feel like people appreciate it because they like know that you've been in it, you know. But, but I totally do that too. When I get stuck is at those like birth mageddons where you're there for like forty hours, and the mom is just like going and going and going. How do they do naturally, that? And they're so tired, and you're so I'm so tired. You're like, just stop. <laughs> but I'm I I always in my own mind I'm like, how did I do that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but women like. Because I, I don't know, like, I, th- I think back on it and I'm like, I don't remember the amount of time passing by or ever wanting to give up mm-hmm. or or anything or feeling traumatized by that. And then it's like, but when I'm sitting there with other people doing it, I'm like, how is yeah. it still it's going amazing. on? It's amazing. Out of the hormones. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the question you asked Kim was like super complex, though, because I feel like you weren't just asking, like, how do you help people with that postpartum? I think you also meant like prenatally, like, how do you prepare At all. people for that? And I feel like that's such a hard thing to navigate because that just means like that means nurturing your client's emotional resilience and like how the hell do you do that I don't know but I think right now I just want to take a second and I and the first time I heard a midwife say this it was Tierney who's amazing and she was like it's not my job to give you a good birth that's not why you hired me and this was back in the just birth meetings when it was still um, yeah whatever Oh my God, birth, whatever. Anyway, birth matters. matters. So she was like, that's not my job. And it just, I was like, oh my God, that's totally true. So these women that are usually the women that are upset, like they expected me to provide for them. Like there's less accountability within themselves. Right. And and not always. I mean, there are some things that happen that there's no talking through that. Like you have to process it. But a lot of the moms that are super traumatized and emailing and texting, they're like, you failed to do this and you failed to do that. And it's often the births where I've been with them for days or been awake for 24 hours, like never leaving their side or putting my license. I I put my license on the line, not that I'll lose it, but like everything, all of my, what is the word? Oh my God. Um, my, my no, reputation. Yeah. Like I know when I walk well, into like Winchester, everything you right. And get. I know yeah. that they're going to look at me and go, you're an idiot, but I've done this. And then in the end, they hate me for it. Well, I feel like that's an important topic, too, because I find um, as part of people's grief or processing that there is a stage of grief that's like anger. And mm-hmm. it's really easy to pick one person mm-hmm. and put all of your grief and anger on that person, even if in reality it had nothing to do with that person. Right. It's like an emotional scapegoat to be like, the reason this happened is because this person did this. Right. And um, I do see that. I have seen that quite a few times where it's like, um, and, and it's, it's not a rational thing because yeah. grief and processing trauma is not always rational. But I do think it's really important then to talk prenatally about to your clients. And I feel like you do a good job about this, Kim, of like, I t- every it's not my job person. to give you a good birth. Like, I'm here yep. to inform and protect and hold space. But like, it's like, this is your experience and like you are responsible for like how you own it or don't own it or how you struggle with it. Or well, That's a way nicer way of saying it. My way is my job is not to give you the birth you want. It's to educate you to make decisions to hopefully get the birth you want. Yeah. So my job is to educate you. You do what you can. And then hopefully your birth because will be amazing. Because you might get I mean, the birth you, thing to say. <laughs> you might get the birth you want and you might still be traumatized by it. And you might not get the birth you want. And you might not be traumatized by right, it. Right. We just don't know. But I do. I know there have been a lot of moms that I know they're upset and I'll say if you're upset with me like I can take it because I don't Mm -hmm. have feelings so I need you to yell at me or cuss at me get it out because that's okay like if you are upset with one specific thing that I did that you feel snowballed like let me know I can take it it's fine it's hard because you still have to have a relationship with this client for six weeks postpartum at least you know well it's usually the six week visit that they need to like yeah I have to get this out I'm like please absolutely get it please tell me all the things yeah. yeah, I don't know. Because it's also a really big burden for you to carry when you know that you've like given a lot of yourself. Fine. But she I think it's important for us to be like the front line of those people that can hear other people's experiences mm-hmm. and realize that it's not always a personal thing. And and we as birth providers, we're not infallible. Like we can do everything that we have learned, try and make it the best. But at the end of the day, there are going to be times when sometimes we are not going to do something perfectly. We might fart and, in your birth room. And so, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I think farting in a maybe birth definitely. room would be one of the better things you could do because that produces laughter, which produces oxytocin. Or just smells. Oh, oh my gosh. God. I, a little 
laughter. I laughed so <laughs> hard yesterday. I was watching a clip on Facebook of um, there was like a political like town meeting going on, and the mayor. <laughs> excused himself to go to the bathroom oh, and he Leslie, was it a leslie door. nielsen moment when it was stuck to his lapel he forgot to take the microphone yeah. oh no <laughs> are you so, sure you weren't watching naked gun no this was real it was a real thing and the, and the lady that's talking is trying to keep talking without laughing but he was farting so much and you can like hear him like peeing in the background and she's just eventually just like oh my god <laughs> have you seen naked gun you legit just yeah. described that whole scene but that's a movie <laughs> like this is that is so embarrassing can you imagine how did he even come back from that well he came back and the the lady was still like laughing and he's like what happened someone whispers in his ear in the movie like the video cuts off I don't even know if I would tell him I'd be like nothing everything's fine and I would tell him later that's all we need from Strasburg is we need our mayor to like take his microphone into the bathroom at least he wasn't shitting I guess it could be worse oh my god he was farting so loud it was it was so good do all men fart when they pee every time i don't know no <laughs> we should that's an, that's our next poll <laughs> the curiosity the the Do mystery of men fart when they pee <laughs> even brock does that he'll go into pee and i'll hear him fart i'm like it must start from birth <laughs> one of my close friends her husband every time he pees he lets out one small squeak or two at the end <laughs> every time <laughs> only at See, the end it is a thing then <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to I guess my man farts all the time so like I'm just like it's all a blur to I me. don't know what Chuck does because he has like a double door yeah I was gonna say he doesn't let anybody near no him. he shuts the bedroom door and also the the bathroom he's gotta door. protect his goods he's gotta he, he needs <laughs> privacy yeah I don't I actually don't know what Brian does either because I I don't really watch him pee um you want to watch me pee I do not watch him pee <laughs> but I have a feeling he does not fart every time he pees so on that note it's somebody time... in your family has to fart Jess you don't fart I fart on the toilet you farted once that I heard yeah and, and I laughed a lot <laughs> just because it was you that did it no you know who else doesn't fart my mom <laughs> Yeah, so that me and your mom. Because she's an angel. We're soul sisters. Angels have to pass gas, too. That's how they keep in the air. <laughs> Do they? All right, please. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Pull us back in. So, yeah, we're going to rein us back in because we went from talking about birth, contentment, and trauma to farting. <laughs> um, but it's time for our break. So we're going to take our break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk more about contentment versus trauma. Cue the music. Oh, Yeah. Today's sponsor for our episode is Nova Placenta Mama. We love you, Nova Placenta Mama. Have a happy postpartum. Nova Placenta Mama does placenta encapsulation because that's nature's way of addressing the baby blues. Increase your supply, quicken postpartum healing, and most importantly, feel happy. Um, you can check out Nova Placenta Mama at novaplacentamama.com. So if you're interested in having your placenta encapsulated and you are in the Northern Virginia area, she is the person to call. Um, thank you for sponsoring our episode and let's get back to talking about trauma versus contentment. Okay. Welcome back from that delightful break. Oh, I love our breaks. Had a hiccup or something. That was weird. <laughs> Good thing it happened during your awesome break voice. That would be a shame. <laughs> Still loves. might. I haven't actually recorded awful. the break yet, so... <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> they don't have to know that, Jess. So we, we're just, I guess the main point that we're driving home is that everyone's birth is different to everyone and yep. no one birth is perfect for anyone. And listen with an open mind when someone is sharing their birth story because you never know which way it's going to go. It's so don't. true. Even like watching a birth, you can like watch it unfolding. And you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be a doozy. And then and it's then perfectly fine. And they're like, that was awesome. Okay. Like Kim and I were just talking about this birth we had. Yeah. You have was, a great example. It was hellish. It was, it was rough. She was it in was labor for so long. So long. Days. So long. And she was such a rock star the entire time. She didn't complain about it. She just rocked it out, did everything we asked. Nothing we did was working. And so we ended up transferring because she was so tired. We, it was one of those w times that epidural is an amazing resource to have. And she, we were like, maybe if we just go rest and get some sleep, you'll push your baby out. So we like get to the hospital. Her water breaks like almost immediately after we get there. And the nurse goes to check her. And the nurse, no game face at all. <laughs> Full-blown panic. Uh, Think, do you remember that? 
I wasn't there for that moment. I had to stay for another birth. Oh, that's right. I wasn't there with them when she had her baby. Mm. We're just always, you're in my my mind all the time. You're just there with me in spirit. You were always on my mind. I didn't do it. I wanted Um, to. So anyways, the nurse checks her and she goes in like full-blown panic and just runs out of the room. And we're like, what in the world? And I think she might have like muttered breach as she was running out of the room. And I was like, there's no fucking way this baby is breached. No. No way. And so then she comes back and another woman checks her and verifies that she also thinks the baby is breached. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, there's no way. Like the heart tones have been so low the entire time. So this poor mom who like was just going to come in for an epidural all of a sudden is in like this completely new crisis. And likely, I mean, in their, um, anyway, go ahead. In their defense, like after you know the story. Yeah. This okay. Is, this it's not something sense. you feel very often. Yeah. So it ended up being a, a face presentation. So what that means is the baby's face was presenting what they were feeling was the baby's cheek being pressed against its big old swollen eye lid. Poor and so it guy. felt like a butt. Which if you've never seen the picture of that <laughs> in Ina May's Guide to Good Childbirth, night. they Google have it. a picture of a baby what what would be crowning with a face presentation. And it's super crazy. I actually don't know if I've seen that photo, but I remember what, what this baby looked like and I've never seen anything. Like it. Well, this baby was also asynclitic mm-hmm. and not, all sorts of wonky. Yeah, and posterior, mm-hmm. which wouldn't have come out otherwise. Yeah, explains all the the why it was taking why. so long. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I immediately was like, "Oh no! Like this is going to be a C-section." So I start like trying to figure out, okay, like what do we need to talk about? How can I help this mom work through her disappointment because she's exhausted? And I'm just like building it up in my mind. And then the doctor walks in. and He's like. Oh, it's a face presentation. Hold on, I'll be right back. And he runs out of the room. And I'm like, what's happening? Everyone just like keeps coming and going. And then me and this mom are just like trying to figure out what we need to do. And then he comes back and I could tell he like went and found like a textbook or like Googled and figured out it was like the one face presentation that's actually vaginally deliverable. So she has an amazing... Had she had her epidural yet at this point? I think they had been working on it while he was deciding what to do next, just in case she ended up having a section either way. Right. Um. So, yeah, I guess at that point, things had calmed down enough with her, like, being able to relax a little bit. But anyways, she ended up having an amazing vaginal birth. And I've never seen a mom push like this since. Like, she just did this amazing belly breathing that, like, you try to teach people, but, like, is really just natural and not something you can really teach. And the Um, doctor was awesome, The doctor was amazing. And the baby looked freaking nuts. (laughs) <laughs> when it came out but the mom was so happy and so anyways for me when I like look back on this whole thing like not just what happened at the hospital but like the days leading up to it I was like we're gonna have to process this for a right. long time this is tough she's gonna be so disappointed I mean like I know she got her vaginal birth but like wow it was really hard this is a face presentation her baby looks really weird like this is yeah it's a doozy and she's just so delighted like so that happy. was amazing I'm so strong look how strong I am yes and I was like yeah queen yeah you are you rocked it. Perfect. And then, yeah, all of my concerns just flew out the door. And it was amazing. Yeah, it's so awesome. I had a similar birth and I was with this person for their second baby as well. And um, during the first birth, it was a planned home birth. And she was just like, she was one of those people where I was like reliving my experience through her because she got to complete and she's just pushing mm. and pushing and pushing and pushing. And she could feel her baby's head like jamming up like, no like she could feel her baby's head in her vagina oh, like no. two fingers in damn it ah that's so which is much. what happened to me for hours and hours and hours and the baby's just not coming but the baby's heart tones were doing well like everything was fine she she wanted to keep going and um so but it was like super super hard like being in that spot emotionally is super hard and then the baby finally came out and it turned out his he had been asynclitic like his head had been really notched to the side but he instead of like correcting his head being that way like he just molded he molded his head to come out that direction and so his head was like a cone it was the craziest thing i've oh, ever seen me oh this. did you show me a picture mm-hmm. of this yeah i was like his head was like God. a cone all the way to the side and then it had like a blister on the end uh, from like where it had been like trying yeah, to come rubbing. out for a while. But he was totally fine. And then she ended up having a retained placenta. And after all that, having to go to the hospital. Oh my God. And so I felt like she was someone like who would have been really traumatized by her birth. And yes, when I talked to her about it, she was like, Yeah, it was really hard. And, you know, like it, but it wasn't like, 
she wasn't traumatized and she was like mm-hmm. I was so happy everyone was there and I'm happy that we kept trying and I'm happy that he he came out at home even though she had to transfer for placenta and, and bleeding too much and then she went on to have a second amazing home birth but it was another one where it was like wow this is going to take a lot of like working through what she went through and it wasn't she was super happy with the outcome even though it was hard mm-hmm. yeah resilient beings I know and I just never know which way um, it's going to go yeah. when there's a hard birth. I don't know if they're going to be feel good about themselves or or bad about themselves or bad about you. Yeah, like <laughs> so many things. We had a mom in labor. You know who you are for a really, really, really long time, and I just felt so bad for her. And there were a couple times where I offered her a transfer. Like, listen. It would not, if you transferred right now, you would be no less of a woman. (laughs) You're amazing. You don't love your baby any less. You're working so hard. Yeah, like this is so hard. And I ended up even um, when she was pushing, she ended up with an episiotomy because the baby crowned for an ungodly length of time sounded fine. But she finally looked at me and said, just could you just cut it? And I'm like, "Ah, sure, why not? And so in the end, she's like, that was amazing. I'm like, what? Huh? That was Im- that was not amazing. That was you being amazing in a shitty experience, Holy shitty crap. situation. And she's totally fine. I mean, not I shouldn't say she's totally fine with it, but she wasn't traumatized. And I thought for sure she'd be traumatized by that. Yeah, it's really, really. I, I don't know. I I guess we could keep saying it's. So that's where it comes to us as birth workers, like trying to maneuver those waters. That it's never an easy. We don't just break waters. We maneuver them. We maneuver them. I don't know what to expect. And I don't know how to help in advance. Aside from saying, like, let's get educated. Let's Let's talk talk about about the hard things. Yeah. And I just, I don't know what else to do. And preparing people. Because I think when it comes to birth planning, it's like some people think birth plans is like, unless this stuff happens. But when I talk about birth plans, it's like, these are the things that I want to happen and the things that I feel comfortable with. But realizing that if the situation is not working the way it needs to, that things might change. And then preparing for those things as well. Um, And for the things that you feel more comfortable with for if things start to go a little south, if things start to go downtown. 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 (laughs) Foreshadowing. So we have a birth story that we want to share. Someone sent in to us. And we had trouble deciding whether to share this as our birth story for the week for our birth trauma episode. But we decided that this was a good time to share it because this is one of those births that for some people the things that happened um and she expressed this to us that sometimes she feels bad feeling bad about her birth because nothing that happened on the outside is like um outwardly traumatic like nothing bad happened to her nothing bad happened to her baby she's healthy her baby's healthy um but she was still left with a deep sadness and it's like really really letting women experience that and letting them know that it's okay to have that grief. And so we decided to share this as our birth story of the week. Okay. So she said, I was pregnant with my first in 2016. I knew I wanted to birth outside of the hospital. And after having a few prenatals with my midwife, I decided I wanted a home birth. As we neared my due date, I tried to stay calm. Once my due date came and passed, I started to worry. My midwife did a membrane sweep six days away from the deadline of when she wouldn't feel comfortable continuing my care. That night, I went into labor. Noise. Did you just say noise? Noise. Oh, nice. nice. (laughs) I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) It's a noisy way to say nice. Yeah, it is. So noisy. (laughs) Without describing every detail of my labor, the short version was it was... (laughs) Long and hard. <laughs> Not in the good so way. So naughty. <laughs> she is so naughty. Intentionally. That was very intentional. On my part. I was going to say on your part. Yeah, on her part, probably not. Yeah. You're welcome. You're going to laugh. After just a few (laughs) hours of irregular but very real contractions, they moved to every three minutes quickly. Throughout the whole labor, I thought, any moment now. My baby will come any moment now. After an entire day of difficult labor, my midwife checked me, and I was still at one centimeter. God. That's the hardest thing. That, oh, that is the worst. The that, worst. Just, it's just the worst. Yeah. Oh. It's like, 
because you think like what are you doing bad can you work with her a little bit it's just like mentally and i and i remember hearing about this story it wasn't even just that she was having contractions she was like throwing up Mm -hmm. like she was shaking like all the things that make it seem like you're in transition and about to have your baby um so she said she hadn't eaten much because she kept getting sick she couldn't sleep because her contractions were so strong. She was exhausted. They decided to transfer to the hospital for some pain relief. I felt like a failure. My mom had had four babies naturally with no drugs. Why couldn't I? I was fit. I was a dance teacher. I had prepared for this birth for years. I couldn't understand why my cervix wouldn't dilate. I felt frustrated and angry with myself. Once at the hospital, after receiving the epidural, I was able to sleep. After some sleep, I felt like I was capable of anything. Not sleeping is really oh gosh, like... it's the worst. It's so hard. I mean, coping in labor, and is it's so mental and hard anyway, but then when you're so tired, yeah. it's like... it's Coping in anything without sleeping is yeah. impossible, yeah. let alone bringing another human into the world. That's exactly. why we tell people to sleep for as long as possible, because even just like little snatches of it are going to make such a big Does. difference. I did say snatches. Sorry, go on. Um... When she woke, she remembered realizing she had a catheter. I asked the nurse to remove it because I could feel that I needed to urinate. She said, oh, honey, the catheter will do that for you. I didn't speak up, but I was angry. I remember the nurse telling me I could have a wireless monitor and then I could walk around. I wasn't sure where I went wrong. And so I guess that's part of, like, preparing for um, transferring. Like, because some people, you could say that to them. And they're like, oh, that's great. I don't have to pee. And then other people, it's like, but I don't want to do it this way. I mm-hmm. want to be able to get up and pee. But it's like not realizing once you have an epidural. Right. That option's gone. I mean, there are some places that have Walk. what they call a walking epidural, but I've never seen I've it. I've never seen a walking epidural. I mean, they don't do them works. around here. No. That, they I've would not. Honestly, like I can't that. imagine them letting you do that for malpractice reasons. <laughs> yeah. So I would really like to see these hospitals that are giving walking epidurals. Yeah. But... It has not been part of my experience. Mm -mm. The following morning, I finally pushed her out, numb legs and all. I pushed for three and a half hours. Good night. The worry left. I didn't care if I hadn't had my dream birth. She was gorgeous. She was perfect and she was mine. I did it. So she still got to have that birth high. Yeah. With her baby, which is great. But she's amazing. I mean, Yeah. yeah. She chooses her. joy so much. It blows my mind. Like, yes. How do you always choose joy? Then she said after, after a day and a half of being in the hospital. Um, so so I this part of her story comes into how shaming moms for their choices and not respecting informed consent makes a big deal in how they process mm-hmm. things. Because we've talked about that a lot. Like it's not necessarily the things that happen. But if you treat a mom like she doesn't know what she's talking about and you don't respect her, it like. Like Kim said, it sets the tone for your entire journey of motherhood. Yeah. Right. So after a day and a half of being in the hospital, being ridiculed for my decision not to vaccinate for the hepatitis B shot, um, blah, 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 blah. We finally were discharged. Wait, was she tested for hepatitis B? So she knew she didn't have it? She didn't put that in her story. Oh, I'm just saying, if she knew she didn't have it, unless her baby's going to go out and have unprotected sex or share needles, I think it'll be all right. We'll do a whole episode on that. Anyway, moving on. Even if she hadn't had the test, because she said something about not having some some kind of test during pregnancy that they got mad at her. Um, Even if she hadn't, then um, still the, the... when you read the evidence about the hepatitis B vaccine, even for positive moms, it's not it super, yeah. it's, it, it, the research is not super clear cut on that, even for moms that are positive And even with if it is, B. it's her decision. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Her con- informed her decision. Choices. Informed consent is super important. Um, so they are finally discharged from the hospital. When we walked back into our house, I saw the birth tub empty. The feeling of failure came back. Why couldn't I have just held on for just another 14 hours? I could have done <laughs> oh it. Oh, my gosh. Who should have done it? I just have held on for another 14 hours. I realized all the things I had wanted from the birth and didn't get them. I wasn't the first one to touch my baby. I didn't pick her up and bring her to my chest. We couldn't delay the cutting of the cord. I never felt her cord. Looking back, I realized how thankful I am it went as well as it did. I was able to bring my placenta home. She didn't go to the nursery. They didn't vaccinate her or put eye drops in. I had her vaginally. So, like, 
for some people, like, that's just their normal mm-hmm. birth and they feel completely like, not, fine with all it. Their yeah, check, oh, all sure. their checks were done, you know, like, yeah. they, their checklist of what's positive was done. I wrote out my birth story in between nursing sessions. It helped. Recovery went well, considering. I felt like a goddess nursing my baby. I felt like a superhero. I was the one who got up every night with her. I didn't need help. I could do it all myself. I relished being her mom. The postpartum period was a dream. So happy. Oh, that the post- that's... Yeah. I just got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. That yeah. never happens. That Neither is does great. that story. Because this story reminds me of my story a lot, except my postpartum was not <laughs> a dream. No, it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was. I dreamed a dream of times gone by. Oh, God. So happy that you got that. Every few months, and, and I just did that thing that I talked about that we do, but I guess this is my podcast, so I'm allowed to. I don't know if you noticed, but you've done that like three times. Well, it's weird. Maybe we're you're not done processing <laughs> your birth with uh, Ren yet or Lila. Yeah, probably not. Maybe when she's 18 and she moves out of your house and starts causing you, stops causing you daily trauma, you'll be able to process the whole experience together. Maybe, but I'm not going to have any more babies uh, or births. So, so meh. I mean, are you literally sitting here that? and saying, "Don't worry, moms, if you're not having more births, don't worry about processing"? No, I think the next time you drink, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm saying that's force my. You to that's process. my informed consent. Um, I know that I'm probably being dumb, but. <laughs> Look at me go. <laughs> <laughs> she frolics with flowers. She's aight. We're gonna pro- we're, we're gonna process this together later. Oh god, this sounds in the awful. hot tub. In the hot tub. Yeah. Okay, I'll think about it. Hot <laughs> tub. Um, like Joe Coy when he imitates his mom. Hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep reading. Every few months, that feeling would come back. Failure. Until one day, I was able to laugh it off. What a lie that is. How is creating this perfect being a failure? Yeah. I couldn't believe I let myself feel bad about such a lie. I refused to let myself believe it. Some feelings came back when I got pregnant with my second baby. Throughout the pregnancy, I would find myself saying, well, with my first birth, and then I would stop myself when telling my doula what my birth plan was. I didn't want to repeat up before. The most healing, cathartic experience was when I pushed my second baby out, into the warm water of my bathtub in my home. No one touched her but me. I picked her up and brought her to me. No one else. Me. I felt my placenta. I ran her cord through my fingers. Owning my second birth was so healing. I feel like a force of nature. Meredith's crying. Nothing can make me feel like a failure now. <laughs> Meredith's crying. That was beautiful. Isn't so it beautiful? beautiful. I you love make it. placenta and we- sound like beautiful, floral... Something. We also I don't just know. asked her to do this like a day ago and she rocks this beautiful story out. And and she also had given me permission to share the story of when her baby came out. It's such a great video. So we can post that on our social oh, media. Nice. The moment of when this mom like oh, picked her, her baby up from the water. Like, so ecstatic. So happy. Yeah. yeah. It helps that she's gorgeous. I know. Even if God. she made a bad face, it was <laughs> yeah, still Yeah, I don't know if she beautiful. can make a bad face. <laughs> She tried to make a bad face once, and I got a picture of it, but it just looked good. (laughs) We love you, and... If she can hold a face while she's dancing and still look good, then she's fine. We've seen some gnarly faces. Yeah, and we do not think that you are a failure for no your first birth. Like, and we're so glad. More importantly, we're so glad that you don't feel that way either. Yeah, but also we do think that it was important for you to move through those spectrum of feelings to come to that conclusion that you weren't a failure. Can you come help Jess work through her? Yeah, she birth needs help trauma. working through her birth trauma. We all know that I love to <laughs> shove my trauma down. Like yeah, and then somebody it, help this and then woman. It comes up when she sees a massacred lilac bush. I'm I, sorry. That was not okay. I can't believe your response. I was like, oh my God, she's actually falling <laughs> to the ground in grief. This is happening. It's real. I stepped on you because I thought you were joking, but you weren't. No, I want to go back and have like a lilac bloom funeral <laughs> and have shots around the poor little dead bloom. Let's do that. And then after the shots, no. we'll talk about your birth with Lila. We can't take shots because I've sworn to I be hope sober you noticed for that Kim has month. made this her new project. She's mentioned that she's going to make you process this like four it's times happening. now. It's going to happen. Is it? Yeah. I want to be there. In the hot tub. You're usually there. (laughs) (laughs) So you probably will be. Um, And we're so excited to see what kind of trauma or contentment comes out of Meredith when she (laughs) falls my God. I I mean, I told you guys I'm going to be that person that. Is only a centimeter, and I'm flailing around the, the bed naked. That's fine. I'm going to be shitting everywhere. Away from no, myself. there will be no shit. <laughs> Listen, 
Fuck that. Kim's I gonna will... make baby no. wear depend the entire time. God, I'm, like, right. I'm like, Kim, I promise the baby's coming out. She's like, no, you're not doing that. You're defend. shitting. And Terrence, you will clean it. You wipe her butt with this wipey right now. You can crap on me. I'll clean it no, up. No, I don't want poop. <laughs> but I will I will help you through all of that. But we are not transferring unless you pass out cold. That's fine. And by cold, I mean dead. If I make Terrence hit me and knock me out, does that count? <laughs> well, the reason why we won't is because we know you. We know that no matter how much you beg and scream at the end, if we do transfer you for a reason that's not good enough, you're going to be like, Ugh. Yeah, I'm going to be Ugh. real traumatized. <laughs> we can't cause your trauma. I'm not a very emotionally resilient person. You, might, so. you, you hiked through some other country that wasn't here with a broken foot or something i think you can handle <laughs> no that was something like that <laughs> oh it was mercy it was mercy and she... i told myself it was broken okay it was still awful you're gonna make it so the point is is that we don't judge other people the way we judge each other so don't worry we only we do this judge to each, each other. other we're ex- we're openly there's not a lot of Meredith. shit on her it's, that's a very normal boundary that's not a judgment <laughs> that is a boundary that i have it's very important to me i've had people shit on me before i'm gonna be pushing my baby out and i'm really pooping I'm like, no, no. You can shit while pushing, but you are not allowed to lay in your bed and shit on purpose because you can't possibly make it to the bathroom. That's not allowed. Kim protesteth too much. One day we're going to find out that she's like actually sexually into Cleveland steamers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please. I feel like with the conversations we have, that definitely would have come out by now. Not the case. (laughs) Chuck and I don't even shit in the same room. Like, at all ever in 20 years are you sure are you sure you're not protesting too I'm, much i am positive <laughs> she's just been through too many shitty things in life she's I done accept poop and when women do poop i'm like girl that's great that's a great sign unless, you unless you're you. meredith but meredith i can i can drag your ass through your house and sit you on the toilet i can't do that to other yeah, but, people but I'm gonna have my baby on the toilet no. it's fine you're gonna be, be so fine. you're gonna be so scared to make her upset you're gonna be like jess you be the one that sh- tell her she can't poop in the birth tub. because that's what they did to me at brock's birth i kept hearing them go you talk to her yeah you talk and to i her. did and i was so scared no <laughs> Meredith, I'm not afraid of Meredith. I love her. She knows it. <laughs> Thank you, my love. My daughter just brought me bluebells. My favorite flower. <gasps> They're beautiful. She didn't even have to frolic for them. She just got them. All right. Enough about to me. how much Je- uh, Meredith's going to poop at her birth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, the dogs are done. So. so whatever, however you process your births, whether you're content or you're traumatized or you're unhappy, like it's okay to do that. And we encourage you to work through that. Just Please don't encourage me it. to work mm-hmm. through it. Um, <laughs> Please, Jess, work through it. I worked through it. I worked through it enough to have my awesome second birth. Um, I'm I'm okay. I'm protesting too much. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yes, you are. So the only thing else we have to say is that we hope What's the all emotional of- equivalent of a Cleveland Fudgecock. Cleveland steamer. <laughs> For God's sakes, cheers! The end you of this episode right now. All right. All we have to say is we hope your births go as lovely as they possibly can and that you feel content with everything that happens. And if they don't, you can process it later. All right. And cheers. everything else is cheers. cheers. That's water again. <laughs> That's actually empty cups.